We are in Matthew 21, as we read earlier, page 988. Let's pray. Father, thank you again that we can come and hear from you in your word. Please help us to do that, help us to understand it and to be changed by it and to know Jesus in it. Amen. Hitler, Muhammad, <clears throat> Michael Jackson. What do they have in common? They all came second. So a couple of days ago, I went onto Google and looked up the most famous people ever. And I clicked into the top three lists that came, and those three were second place in those different lists. The same person was first in all the lists. Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. And the story that we're reading this morning, him coming into Jerusalem, this is when he gets really famous. So, so far, he is well known. He has had a crowd following him. But at times, he has withdrawn and taken himself away from them. At times, he has even asked people not to say who he is and some of the things that he's doing. And he's traveled around a lot. But here, him coming to Jerusalem, the capital city, this is in himself and saying, I am here. This is him going public. And now, Jesus is well known. But it's one thing to have heard of him. The question for us this morning is, how do we react to him? How do you react when you see him coming over the horizon into your life? How do your friends react when they see him coming? And so what, as we look at this, we're going to see how he comes, and we're going to learn about him in him coming. And then what we're going to see is that some will cheer and some will fear. So if we can have our map up, um, let me just show you, you probably can't read that, but this is Israel in Jesus' day, and he had spent a lot of time in the north. If you do have good eyesight, well done, thank you, Emma. He's from there, okay, and getting to be more known around there, but then he travels south to Jerusalem. And the way that Matthew tells the story is that Jerusalem is not just another stop along the way. This is the destination. So if you look over in your Bible, again, page 988, this is chapter 20, verse 17. So just before our bit. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside, and then he says that we are going up to Jerusalem. And there's a sense that, yes, Jerusalem is the destination. And so what we're reading is him arriving at his destination. And so Jerusalem, at this time, it was the Passover celebration. So the city was filled with people who had come to celebrate together. There was a real sense of buzz and excitement and anticipation. Think um, Christmas, your birthday, and St. Patrick's Day rolled into one week. That's Jerusalem during the Passover. So our next slide gives us our headings. 
What does it look like and what do we learn from him as he comes? The first thing we see is that he comes with a plan. So the first few verses, one to three, what happens is they've not quite got to Jerusalem yet, but they're on their way, and there's a crowd with him, but Jesus sends two of his disciples to go ahead to the next village and to find a donkey. Find a donkey tied there with her colt, untie them, and bring them to me. I don't know what the disciples thought when they were told to go and do this. They might have thought, why us? There's a whole crowd of people following you here. Why are you picking us two to go and get this donkey? They might have thought, this is a slightly strange request. They might have seen the purpose in it. Why, why do we have to leave everyone else? Why are we going to get a, a donkey? Aren't you going to arrive in a horse, maybe, or on foot as we've been walking so far? They may not have understood why they were being told to do this. They clearly wondered, will this even work? Because Jesus has to reassure them that this is part of his plan. Verse 3, if anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. They're not so sure it's going to work, but Jesus is sure because he has a plan. They could have just stopped and asked more questions, but no. What did they do? Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed him. No messing around, they just went and did it. It's a lovely example of obedience. Doing something, even when you're not maybe that sure why or what it's for. And what we then see is they obeyed him and that was him involving them in his big plan. So they showed trust and obedience. And in verse 5, we are told, I'm not sure they knew this, but we are told that all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Verses 4 and 5, sorry. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And so them getting this little instruction, these two disciples who have been set apart... That's Jesus' way of including them in a big plan that God has had planned. And sometimes it's not going to be clear to us, is it? Why does Jesus ask us to do certain things or not to do certain things? And when we're not really sure why or why us, that can be really hard, can't it? Imagine you're watching um, a chess championship and it gets to the final, and the grandmaster is looking in a strong position, and you see, you see the next move. Yeah, he should move his knight there. But instead, he takes the pawn and moves it over here. And you're like, why are you doing that? I can see, I can see a better option. But he did it his way, and then a few moves later, you can see, ah, he knew better than me. His plan worked. Jesus' plan is going to work. And so one question for us is, are we ready to obey his plans? Are we ready to say yes, even when they might surprise us? And we're not sure where they're going. He notices every time we obey one of his commands. And he uses it when we obey his commands. 
for his big plan. So Jesus has come with a plan. We also see that Jesus has come as king. So we've already said it's slightly surprising that Jesus wants to come in on a donkey. What does a donkey mean? Well, your king comes to you, verse 5, gentle and riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey means I come in peace. I've not come on a war horse with my sword. I come in peace. And even um, the way that this prophecy is written, who's it written to? Say to daughter of Zion. There's a real love and affection and warmth and relationship here from king to people. And this prophecy comes from Zechariah chapter 9 in the Old Testament. And there we are told that the king who comes in the donkey is the king who is good and victorious. And this whole story also reminds us of another king that the people in Jerusalem at the time would have remembered, King David, their greatest king. You see, the story of King David was, well, one story that happens in his life was after he had become king, he had been threatened by his own son and had to leave Jerusalem in fear, scared, and in shame, he had to go into exile. But after he had been away for a while in exile, he returned. He returned victorious to his city as king. And this story reminds us of that. It even happens in the same place. We're told about David's story happening in Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus, or David coming back to Jerusalem, their greatest king in the past, he wasn't an outsider coming to conquer. He was the rightful king coming back to where he belonged, not with horse and sword, but in peace. So he comes in peace, but this is still a claim to be king. This isn't Jesus coming subtly or quietly. He could have done that. A lot of the time he had done that so far. No, this is him announcing himself. It's him coming, yes, in a surprising way, but it is him announcing himself. And if he is saying, I am king, what's he saying to the people he's coming to? I am king over you. And so he is asking for their submission. And so now we're going to think, right, Jesus has come, he's come with a plan, and he's come as king. How do people react? And how might we react? Um, any idea where this is? Buenos Aires in Argentina. Four million people. Four million people came to cheer and to celebrate as Leo Messi and the Argentina football team came back with the World Cup. That's what we have here. What a celebration. So, just to paint the picture a little bit more, what we have is a crowd who have already followed Jesus so far. So, if you look um, again, Matthew 20, verse 29. Again, this is before he's got to Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, 
and a large crowd follow them. So there's already a crowd with Jesus, okay? John tells us when he's talking about the same story in John 12, verse 12, that a crowd also came out of Jerusalem who had heard that Jesus was coming. So that makes sense of our verses, 8 and 9, where it talks about a crowd going ahead of him. I think that was the crowd that had come out of Jerusalem and were now leading him in, and a crowd going behind him. Huge crowds cheering Jesus in, celebrating him. And how are they doing that? Well, we read that they're quoting from the Bible. They're praising him passionately. We're told they shouted. They've got God in view. They think this is God's king coming, coming in the name of the Lord. We mentioned David earlier. Here he comes up again. They're calling Jesus the son of David. David had been their great king, and now here is his son coming. So they are celebrating, cheering him coming in with actions and with words. This is their reaction to Jesus coming. How do we react when we see Jesus coming over the horizon? Do we celebrate our king? We can, we can cheer him with our actions, obedience and submission. That's us saying, you are king. We do what you say. Now, you mightn't take your clothes and spread them on the ground like they did. You mightn't go and cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground before him like they did. But maybe you can lay your life before him and say, come this way. Come into my life. Every part of it. There is no alleyway that you cannot come as king. We can cheer him with enthusiasm and excitement in our words, in our prayer, in our singing. Now, we all know that's not something we can just switch on like a tap. We can't just make ourselves excited and cheerful. But there is a place, isn't there, for encouraging ourselves to see Jesus for who he really is and to celebrate him, to praise him in prayer, to praise him in song. And yes, that, that we want that to be coming from within, but there will be times when we, we're not feeling that within, but there is a place for still encouraging ourselves to say, yes, he is good. Yes, he is king. Let's celebrate him in the songs we're singing, in things we might be praying. Can we learn from the crowd here who welcomed Jesus and cheered him as king? Now, we're going to see the rest of the Easter story that this crowd probably proved to be mixed. There were probably some who really were sincere about Jesus, really got who was, and were celebrating and cheering from within. I think there were probably also some here who were just doing it because everyone else was doing it. And there's another question for us. Do we celebrate Jesus when the people around us are doing it, like here at church? but less so when maybe we're out on our own a bit? Or are we willing to follow and cheer him in all of our lives? We mentioned David earlier. 
And I think, again, we can learn from his story. So David had fled from Jerusalem as king because his son was a threat to him. And when he had fled, a few had followed him. A few had got beside him and said, we're going to go with you. We're going to stay by your side because we know you are our king. They had cheered and celebrated him when he had first come in in triumph, but they were also willing to follow him out in embarrassment and when they were scared and when there weren't many of them and everyone else wanted rid of him. And we're told that that, so that's in 2 Samuel 15, maybe you could look it up later. That small group left Jerusalem with David up the Mount of Olives, scared and in shame. And as they did so, some people were taunting and mocking them, saying, off you go, we don't need you anymore. And one of those people was called Shimei. Remember that name, we're going to come back to him later. But here's what they said as they were following David out. They said, we, your servants, are ready to do whatever our Lord, the King, chooses. So Jesus has come, and the crowd cheered. And we can cheer Jesus in our actions and in our words. But in this story, we see another reaction to Jesus. While the crowd cheers, Jerusalem fears. So remember what we said about Jerusalem at this time of year? It's celebration time. Christmas, birthday, St. Patrick's rolled into one. There's a real sense of excitement. But sometimes that excitement and that busyness can also bring a sense of tension, can't it? So we're told in verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. What does it mean that they were stirred? It's hinting at not just a sense of excitement, but also a sense of agitation and even worry. Do you know what happened up in Belfast last week? They changed their threat level of a terrorist event from substantial up to severe. They were on edge. That's the kind of thing that happens during celebrations and big crowds coming together, isn't it? And I think that's what's happening here in Jerusalem when Jesus comes. So, does anyone know what did Jerusalem as a city first think of Jesus when they heard about him? First thing we're told when Jesus was born was that Herod and all Jerusalem were disturbed. So, Matthew's already telling us that maybe Jerusalem won't react that well to Jesus. And that proves to be all too true. A little bit later in our story, just a couple of days, Matthew 23, 37. Jesus is now in Jerusalem. 23, 37, here's what he says. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. When Jesus comes, some 
fear. They don't like his plan. They don't want him to be king. Is that you? Do you hear his claim to be Lord and King and say, no, not over me? Or maybe you say, yes, but not in this part of my life, not down this alleyway. Or maybe you say, yes, I would, I would be up for Jesus being king, but only if he impresses me first. That's probably what Jerusalem expected. They expected a, a soldier to come in on the horse with the sword, but instead they see Jesus come on, on a donkey. Do we see Jesus' gentleness and think, no, he's not. He's not the king for us. It is good news for us, and it's good news for our friends that Jesus came, first of all, humbly and in peace. Do you remember Shimei, who I mentioned earlier? He was the one who had stood and thrown stones and mocked King David and his men when they left Jerusalem. The story goes on. David comes back, comes back to Jerusalem, and Shimei is still there. So that's in 2 Samuel 19. What's going to happen when this man who mocked David meets meets him? David has returned as king. How is he going to react? Here's what it says. Shimei, son of Gera, hurried down to meet King David. He fell prostrate before the king and said, May my Lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how I, your servant, did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind, for I, your servant, know I have sinned. What's David going to say? So King David said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. Like King David, King Jesus comes to offer peace to those who will accept him as the true king. So while the crowd cheered, Jerusalem feared. And so the leaders in Jerusalem made their own plan. Again, let's look back at chapter 20, verse 17 to 19. Same page as 21. Jesus knew about the donkey on his way into Jerusalem. He also knew about a lot more that was going to happen in the coming days. We're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged, crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. What we are looking at today is Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. But by this stage, Jesus had already planned his exit from Jerusalem. And a few days later, he's back on the Mount of Olives, where our story started, and another crowd came to meet him. But they weren't waving palm trees. They were waving clubs. They didn't cry, Hosanna 
Blessed is he? They cried, crucify him. There were no clothes on the ground to treat him as the royalty that he was, like the red carpet rolled out. Instead, his own clothes were stripped off him and divided. That's the plan that Jesus had made, and that's what he went through so that he could become our victorious king. So that, do you remember what happened after all of that? When on the third day he was raised to life, he could come back to us, victorious king, and offer peace. So that when he comes to us, when he comes to the people that we know, we're not just thinking we've heard of Jesus, we're thinking how do we react to him? And because of his plan and what he went through, we can cheer and not fear. Amen. We're going to sing now together, King of Kings, Majesty. Then we'll have the Lord's Supper.